0: Chips around, yeah. I mean everybody, listen to that sound. We'll oh, getcha, you betcha. It's the big Atlantic twist. Well, listen, everyone, to the driving beat. Yeah, you gotta shake your hands and twist your feet. You betcha. you betcha, It's a big Atlantic twist. From the east coast of the United States to the west coast all, the emerald isle gonna the away. Everybody's hate to make an every twist a smile. In New York, they're really shaking it up, and it's jumping through London town. It's asking you and me to live in... From telling everyone to let their hair down The little getcha You betcha It's the big guy To the west coast of the M- From the east coast of the United States to the west coast of the Emerald Isle. That is, I mean, the expression I mean just comes so wholly off one's tongue when you listen to that. That is Ray Dexter. Heard of him? One of Joe Meek's boys who um, recorded that or. It was produced by Joe Meek in 1961 and it's called Atlantic Twist. And what I wanted to underline, it's one of my absolute favorite songs of all time because the, uh, quote, instrumental interlude, as we used to call it, is just wild. It is off the charts. The song itself is so lame as to be, uh, even in the light of the time. I mean, I lived during the time of the uh, twist and Chubby Checker and it was wonderful. But, I mean, it was sort of like the... Hula hoop, you know, but, uh that song is so bad. And then it throws in this, like the entire world is collapsing. I mean, uh, there was a song by the Buckinghams called Susan when it was, uh, they sort of, uh, much, much later, like 1969, they, uh, tried to do something like that effective, which, in which everything is just falling down. And you notice the number, go back and listen to it, go back and listen to the sort of like a thumb going on the record, but it's, then it goes higher and higher and higher. And, uh, it um, sort of symbolizes the complete destruction of the entire no world. But I wanted to uh, continue just briefly today. I've got two podcasts. It's We've had a, just whatever's going on. Um, David Zoll in the Mockingbird said something about once Mojo is back. I, I It is funny. I do get these podcasts just to send. They usually descend in terms of a piece of music. And You'll hear something at the end that cracks me up too, but not as much as Atlantic Twist by Ray Dexter. And uh, we're continuing the theme of the um, a normal life or even a lame life, because many of us leave, uh, lead uh, rather lame lives in so many ways. We They're all sort of almost, you know, we wish we, if only we'd, if we only had a little guts, if we only had a little courage, if we'd only stepped out in faith, if we'd only not just sort of let things pass, especially if you're English. I mean, the English make an incomplete lifestyle of um, kind of choking and enervation uh, uh, and uh, paralysis uh, it 's the story of every uh, uh, friendship uh, you 've ever uh, had or marriage proposal in the British Isles It sort of happens by chance if it happens at all and a lot of people just end up life just completely goes by because there 's such a paralysis when it comes down to the to the moment and to the pivot. There are no pivots. Um, and they're not as many as people think, even in our lives, um, unless caused by drugs or alcohol or something like that. The, um, power of the song lies in the fact it, 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 um, underlines and strengthens the statement that I made that, um, the moments of truth in your life are non sequiturs. Um, this is every rock song would tell you this, you know, I mean, um, I saw her again late last night. You know, um, what? what, Why was that? Pretty flamingo. You know, Um, she brightens up the neighborhood. But I happened to see her, and um, you know, my wife's smile. Fifty or was it sixty? It was a little, I mean, you know, it was a non sequitur to my life. I was carrying a lot of books. It was the um, the spring of nineteen seventy, and all the college classes had uh, shut down because of Kent State. <laughs> And the uh, Cambodian invasion, bombings, and it was uh, just awful. And here I was just trying to get through so I could go to another college and uh, carrying all these books and in the middle of a rain, and who should I run into? But uh, someone whom I got to know very well, but considerably later. But I did run into her. Now, the non sequitur, I just want you to think about that. This is the the reason I want to say it. I want to say, uh, I want to underline it, and then I want to just what's the word? I want to slightly spread it out just a little bit, spread the muck. But in this case, I believe it spread the observation and the empirical truth of living. And it's from a Christian view. Remember, this is God is in, this is the whole, this is a, this is empirical exist, empirical proof of the existence of God. I was doing a, a grace for a, for a wedding rehearsal in which the two people had met overseas. And uh, it could not have been more, I mean, bringing two totally different worlds together, which already had been, I mean, each of the worlds already had involved non sequiturs. And then all of a sudden we were here and I said, you know, this this very event is empirical proof of the existence of God. And everybody laughed with recognition because it was. And um, what I want to say is that the non sequiturs of life, and I got a really remarkable letter from Ryan Alvey describing, uh, his own experience in certain different expressions of this, uh, uh really, uh, religious understanding of the nature of God's work in your life. But the, um, the non sequiturs are really what cause the, uh, way it goes. And, uh, you know, everything from where you went to college to whom you married, if you did, and the mistakes you made in that, or perhaps, God willing, the enduring by the sheer providence of God, security of a long-term relationship based on love, all of that is uh, really great. Um, but you really do look back on your life. And this, the point I want to make is that you have to be empirical about your life. You, you look back on your life, and you, or you look back on anything— And there's a sense in which you need to be a scientist... That is, a scientist is someone, in theory, we talk about science a lot these days, and I take it with a grain of salt, because science, in quotes, has become a kind of narrative, in quote. All science is, is the study of what is, in order to categorize and understand what takes place. That's all science is. It's the, it's the observation of what is, in order to come up with some kind of understanding of what, of what takes place, generally speaking, in life, based upon what you've already observed has taken place. So you look at your life, you, you would. there are all sorts of narratives you'd like to impose, there are all sorts of things that you wish had happened, but all the material you have, here you are, you're 50 years old, or you're 35 years old, or you're... Eighty years old, and all the material you have to look at the how God worked is what actually happened. You can't really impose a narrative. Maybe there were certain factors that were related to demographics or to ethnicity or to certain elements in your nuclear family that were extremely important, and those are all important. But the but they they um, you know the Buddhists use the um, word dependent arisings. They say when you. <clears throat> Look back upon a life. It's dependent arisings because it was a number of different things that sort of accidentally came together. There was this father, but there was that mother. And then there was this uh, physical problem, and there was that strength, and there was this uh, sort of inwardly generated neurotic impulse, but there was also that very generous attitude and aspect, and there was uh, this particular inheritance, and there was that particular loss, and all of these things sort of combined together Dependent, they arose and they came together and formed um, informed what happened and it was sort of a mix of things and when you die so goes the Buddhist teaching all the different elements kind of disperse and fly away because there's no real person there's no real soul now we don't believe that we do believe and we this is what this cast is saying that there are a tremendous number of seemingly arbitrary and unconditioned things that come together that cause your life to be what it is and what it's been and those are worth study and if you look at what you have what's happened that is a clue to what will happen next that's why the principle that is so important you don't hire a person based upon their ideology or some um some arbitrary thing that they have that's secondary. You hire the person because of their personal characteristics. In other words, you hire a person who would probably do well in any job. Uh, it's not that they're necessarily a great photographer or that they're a great track star. Those are possibilities, and they, they do make a difference, perhaps for a time in life. But how could I be a good photographer now when I can't see very well? You know, maybe one time I was, but now it's it's really what you might call luck or providence if I get a good picture. How could I be a great shot? Shot putter. Unless you know, at a certain time in my life, my muscles and my all my um, uh, human um, bodily coordinates allowed me to be a good shot putter. But later on, something would happen that would desiccate and um, diminish my strengths or my elements. So uh, even the gifts that we got genetically are short term. And what we have to say: what happened? what happened in my life? Usually we don't even know. We don't study it very objectively. We sometimes only see part of it. We see part of what happened, but later on we find out that something else was at work. And in fact, it was usually the non sequitur of God's life, God's love. I mean, see um, Mano of the Spring. I mean, that French movie, which is based on a novel, see Mano of the Spring. I mean, uh, the providential elements that go into the birth of his son and then his uh, the daughter and the granddaughter and the right hither and yon uh the elements that create the skein s k e i n of Manol's life uh, are um dependent arisings and he and and he only sees what's true because a sort of a Greek kind of a cassandra an old lady who's blind and she tells him sitting outside the church one day what really happened in his early life with the uh, with a woman and he never knew, and he's eighty and ready to die, played by Yves Moulton. You, you, you. But then he sees it. So even if we study it, we may not see everything, or we may be, didn't, we may, we may deny part of it, or may, maybe that an element of what happened is not known to us. That is very often the case. <coughs> But the, um, boy, do you see it in the new uh, season nine of Murder in, that French remarkable television show, the last episode of which in season nine is Murder in Les Yeux. It's a deeply Christian episode about the... Carmelite followers of little Teresa, St. Teresa of uh, Teresa of Lisieux and uh, a murder mystery and a man finding out who he is because he didn't know. He really didn't know. He thought he knew but he didn't know. Nobody knew. Even his mother didn't know. And his mother's well, I mean even the person who should have known well she sort of knew. But she's the only one and nobody else did. And he finds out in his uh, sort of early 40s, late 30s at the most who he really is. So even but my point really is study. Observe the um Non sequiturs of your life study them i 've got about usually they 're connected with the phosphorus and I showed a photograph to david all recently a photograph that had come up in connection with the death of someone an old an old friend and I showed this uh this snapshot from long 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 ago, and David immediately said phosphorus well i mean uh, what I, what he meant by that, and what I mean by that expression, is these moments of these non sequiturs, these strange developments. How did you know you'd meet that person when you did meet him? When you did meet her? When you did first encounter this or that? It's um, if it's not dependent arisings, uh, we believe more accurately that it is. Uh, the non sequitur of God's provision for you. And if you see your life that way, you'll often see a providential hand in it. And that's why I wanted to focus on that. So I just have uh, two things to say. And then um, one more. (laughs) One of Joe Meek's great non sequiturs, sort of, kind of. They're all non sequiturs. The first is that... the events in your life uh, by which God and through which God has worked are, and I'm going to go out on a limb here. You may disagree, and it might be considered too strong a statement, but let me say it anyway. The events that uh, were pivotal, final, decisive in your life, the occurrences, situations, moments that were uh, decisive were non-sequiturs, and it was the non-sequitur that led you in this or that direction with this or that person, and that is, what is it? that it's like, what is it, the road less traveled? And uh, what's the line of Robert Frost, the load less traveled? And that meant everything. What is it? That was the something of everything, uh, the road less traveled. But it was a road that you came upon in, the, in a forest. And, and the road you didn't expect to find that road. And the coming up on it when you did was a non sequitur. And the road itself was a non sequitur. And yet, look what happened. Look at the, This is a wonderful way to view your life. It's true of the Bible. All things work together for them that love God. All things work together. I believe that. I really do believe that. And I believe it not on the basis of a, of a narrative or a wish. I, I believe it purely on the basis of the empirical study of my own life, which even even so is probably um, missing out vast elements, which if I knew them would underline even more strongly and more emphatically the um, uh, the power of the God-given non sequitur. And the other thing was only study what's true. Don't study what you'd like to have been true. Because the events themselves, the non sequiturs themselves, are actually marvelous, and if you if you don't um, sort of if you if you slough them off on the one hand, or suppress them, or don't wish to think about them, and often I, I'm someone who just wants to suppress a, a bad non sequitur, and yet that prevents me from um, reaping the harvest of the comfort that God actually did plainly. The events show, demonstrate beyond the shadow of a doubt, that God worked in the non Well, that's part two, empiricism, in other words. Be a scientist about your life, and then you'll actually see God. You won't see the full... Until later, you won't see the full skein, the full cartography of God's work in your life until heaven, or until later. When you, even then, you won't see all of it, but you'll see some of it, and um, a lot of it maybe. And the investigation of your life will underline the uh, presence of God in the providential non sequitur. So well, that's my follow-up to, as you might call that non sequitur too, but I'm calling it Atlantic, Atlantic twist. And now we have Tom Tom Cat by the Tomcats, produced by Robert George Meek.